Welcome back, everybody, to the Voices for Blogging podcast. We're at Faces for Radio and Voices for Blogging. You can find us on the Podbean app, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google. You can also follow us on Instagram at Voices for Blogging. Check it out. Drop us a message. Um, Roycey, it's been a little while. It's been a little while. I mean, I think it's been about do I say years. Do I say Merry do I say Merry Christmas? Happy New Year? Been three, I think it's been three years. I don't, I don't, like it's been this three Christmases, be, I think, right? This might be the longest uh, Thanksgiving break we've ever had. Was it Thanksgiving? I think was the last time was right about there. Yeah. We have our, because we had, because we had my, uh, you know, start a cryptocurrency account thing going and. Oh, you're you right. Know, kind of, and we updated right. kind of what was going on with, with the account and the things we bought that day. I mean, that's back in November. You're right. That was back in November. That was, you know, there was a lot that happened since then, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and a lot that's continued to happen recently. And a lot that's continued, uh, continued to happen. I mean, it seems like that was three years ago. It's I mean, especially... Especially in the investment world and in cryptos and in crypto stocks and options, uh, some of the stuff that you and I like to talk about pretty often. But uh, I, yeah, I guess right off the bat, let's talk about that stuff because there's some there's some really interesting things that are happening and a bunch of different stock that you know stocks that have no business being the price that they are, but it is what it is. It's a marketplace and things like this happen. Yeah, it's been it's been so. It's been so interesting following this whole uh, Wall Street bets Reddit mm-hmm. the GameStop thing with Robin Hood and Elon Musk and Chamath and it's uh it's been a crazy crazy week and I even mean, just a crazy couple days and I'm I'm really interested to see what's gonna happen tomorrow like I do you know, I, was I telling, mean yeah, yeah when I was telling you last night with the options that were trading for GameStop I mean. It's, I've never seen it like that where every single call, at least that was on Yahoo Finance, is was in the money. <laughs> like That's crazy. But if you look back today, actually, now what you have is actually there's a lot of people that bought a ton of puts today. That's basically downside protection, right? Um, it, it is. You know, and what, what are the challenges? Because, you know, I play with the option world a ton. And I think I was texting you from a Target parking lot. Because I, I just had to look. I was peeking at it. When the stock, when GameStop was at $340, I looked at what the 500 call was going to be and for expiration tomorrow. So at that yeah. point, two days from expiration. Yeah. The cost of the 500 call, and mind you again, the stock was at about 340 The 500 call in GameStop cost $5,000. That's insane. <laughs> that is crazy. It's so far crazy. out of the money, and they're asking five thousand dollars for it for an expiration two days later. So I kind of was joking around. Maybe I should do it. I was just like, "Ha ha!" There's no way I'm throwing five thousand at this because I, you know, when markets do this type of mania type of thing, it, being in the market for as long as I have, like, you know, for me, the restrictor plates kind of go on. I use it as a. I I, I just watch. Because it's not real. So, yeah. but I kind of played the hypothetical. I said, okay, fine. What would happen if I bought it? So, this morning, I look at the, the stock, and it hits a high of 483. It doesn't get to 500, but at the rate that it was going, that option, had I bought it, probably went to about $8,000 from 5000 That's crazy. But you know what? Where were you trading, though? Oh, TD Ameritrade. You would have shut down. Would have got well. Would have got shut down at some point in time. <laughs> they, they, in, did. In, uh, they, they did. They did. I mean, I, well, I, I don't know. Not for the whole day. Not You're for right. a whole day. And, you, and remember, this is the this is the power of of using limit orders and these type of things and using stop limits and, and getting out in, in these kind of situations. Like it's about not being greedy. It's really cool. Like here, this is how bad this this mania has gotten. My stylist texts me today. Did you buy any GameStop? And I was like, No, I, I don't get involved. And she's like, Oh, man, like people are like paying off their college loans with this. I'm like, 
that's not everybody. So, so well, so here's <laughs> well, no. So here, here's the thing, right? They're not making money. It's all on paper, right? Until you actually sell. Until you cash so it. These people, right, these people that are saying that they're making this money, what what I've been telling them to do is sell. Yep. Because until you sell, you don't have that money. Look, I've I've lived this. <laughs> I've lived this. We both we both have. <laughs> I've and, seen, but this I've seen how to, story you learned this the hard way. You learned this the hard way. way. Yeah. And by and by the way, uh, the, your whole thing about stop losses, I never use stop losses anymore. You know why? There was an instance where I had a stop loss on a stock, and what happened was that there was a minute trading window where. A, basically a supposedly this is supposedly a rumor came out and the stock immediately tanks like 60-70% and immediately in that same minute it went all the way back up mm-hmm. and guess what happened it blew through my stop loss it didn't execute my trade until the bottom <laughs> and by the time I got back it had already recovered <laughs> well so so let's explain to the audience what we're talking right. about with these stops. And I lost you know, a lot of money there, by that. <laughs> there's, there, there's a type of order when you when you place uh, orders in the stock market. You have your limit orders. You have your market orders. Your market orders, essentially, you're buying it at the split second. You press that button. Whatever that price is, that's the one you're buying at. Your limit order, you are setting the price you want to buy it at. It'll either buy it at that price or better. And then there's this other one that gets pretty complicated for people, and it's your stop. There's a stop order and there's a stop limit order. So I'm the type of person that likes to use stop limits because I want to name what I'm going to sell it at when my stop gets triggered. So the idea with stops is your, your order gets triggered if the stock hits a certain price. So for instance, if we were playing AMC and at one point in time AMC today was $19. I was in AMC from, let's say I was in AMC from six bucks. So I'm up 13 bucks. If I put a stop limit order in where I want the order to be triggered at $17, and then, and the limit order that's underlining that is at 15, then I can sell that, it would have sold my AMC somewhere between 15 and 17. And so what that does, it gives me leeway, but it stops them from selling at anything below 15. If you just go to stop order, it becomes a market order. And then what happened to Royce is going to happen. It's going to sell it in a split second and you're done. Because that's why you put the limit in. Because it won't sell it for less than 15. So in your scenario, it sold less for less than your trigger because it became a market order. So if you make it a stop limit, the trigger will trigger the limit order, and if it doesn't sell it, it doesn't sell it. It won't sell it for less than 15, because in your scenario, it sounded like it sold at a really bad number. Oh, it did, that yeah. You, that, sure. that you didn't want, and that's, then that's the power of doing a stop limit versus just a, a regular stop. That's the whole point with the stop limits. You, it just becomes yeah. a limit order when it triggers. I don't remember now. So, I mean, that's the challenges. And, you know, I, I trade options a lot. And so because of that, I, I use stop limits a lot because I got to get out. If, if the idea is not working, then, you know, I have I have an area where I, I only allow myself to lose a certain amount on an option because uh, I can't just fall in love with my idea. I got to, you know, sometimes it's OK to be wrong and move on, move on to the next thing. I don't know. Now you got me wondering now. But anyway, it was. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of stuff that. It, 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 but look how look you and I've been in the market a lot. Look how tricky this stuff gets, even when we're talking about it. No, you it know, crazy. It, I, sometimes I have to look stuff up again, like just to. Yep. Now you got me. Now you got me curious too. <laughs> it's all right. So, I mean, so today you see what's what's goes on here with with these crazy moves in stocks like GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry. Bed Bath and Beyond, Nokia at one point in time, you know, so many of these businesses that are really struggling and they have no business running up 300% in a day. You know, AMC got had really good news at one point in time, where they're able to get and raise enough money over the last few days just to survive the year. Um, that that isn't really quite the news that should make a stock run from four to twenty. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's not anything based on fundamentals. Not at all. Not not at all. It's it's just this entire this entire movement, right? And everything that's behind it. Like even it's you know, it's even been endorsed kind of like by Elon Musk and stuff too, right? You know, it's amazing how much power that man has, huh? Like he he gets out there, he knows how to fire up his troops, you know. Well, I don't, I don't I don't think it's just him though. It's it's this whole. You talk about Ja Rule now? This is no. This whole it's this whole new. <laughs> it's this not Ja Rule. It's this whole new world that we have with social media where it is any any one person can go viral and communicate with hundreds of thousands of millions of people that's what's happening in a lot of ways like just around society in general too as well not just financial it's kind of it's kind of crazy the impact of any one person's words has way more impact than it used than it would have back in like the 80s like if you wanted to have a platform in the 80s like how would you even do that i guess you could get in a newspaper or get on tv or start a newsletter i think that's that's probably oh, exactly. There's no doubt. I mean, the, yeah. the, the social connectivity through technology right now, we've never been more connected in this way, which allows, you know, people that of, are of like mindedness to act together. And, you know, when we talk about markets, that's what it is. If you get more buy orders than you have sell orders, the stock's going to go up. If you're going to have higher volume buys, stock's going to go up. It just is what it is. You know, when you have, and again, I'll, I'll say again, when you have Elon Musk, a guy with stature, a guy that has a lot of money, the guy has a lot of influence, and he is along for the ride, or at least could be, for all we know, he's not doing any of it. He's just egging people on just for the, for for shits and giggles, you know, because that's probably like how he is, probably. You know, we look at all his tweets that he kind of throws out there over the years. I'm like, you know, hey, why not? And it's amazing. It was amazing to watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It's going to be interesting to see what happens tomorrow uh, with you know the options expiration and all of these Why contracts are... outstanding and uh, yeah, what's going to happen tomorrow? Because uh, you can't the other you can't well, you can't do a buy a call you can't do any kind of call spreads or put spreads on these stocks right now. So you're naked. Like you're just buying whatever you buy. That's what you got. That's it. You know, yeah. so these five thousand dollar bets that only go one way, there's no way to cushion it. No. Well, tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, supposedly Robinhood is supposed to uh, enable trading again in some of these, Lim- and they're going to be limited amount. Gonna, yep. They're going to be watching, right? That's what that's what they said, as far as I've seen, is that they're going to be watching. So, you know, they they could do the same thing that they did they did again today. Can we can we uh? Remind our listeners kind of what happened today with Robinhood and with TD. Yeah, basically they shut down trading. So last night is interesting. Uh, last night uh, I was talking to uh, some of my other friends who have been following this, and we got an or everyone got a notice basically that said that uh, Robinhood. I forget what exactly the notice said. Let me let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But basically it was something like that they were going to. Oh, if you did not have the collateral to manually close out your your contracts, that they were going to go ahead and close them for you, or something like that. Uh, and so that was kind of that was when I saw that last night. I was like, well, that's that's kind of weird, you know. Like, and then this morning, uh, they basically stopped anyone from buying any more securities of GME, AMC, and I think there were a few others. So basically, the only thing that you could do at that point is close your position. The other thing that I saw that I don't know, but I saw I saw some people had posted this on Twitter, was that uh, they were actually automatically selling shares of people selling positions, closing positions of people that actually had shares, which is really weird. And, of course, it's caused all of these stocks to tank because the only thing people could do was sell. (laughs) And 
Well, amazingly, in after hours, I think for GME at least, I haven't really looked at the others. GME is back up to like 280 or something. No, GME is actually, actually all the way, way back up to 340 again. Yeah, 300? Yeah. 340. So it closed it closed at slightly under 200. Robinhood's headline came out because I got the email from Robinhood uh, after the market closed. Yeah. And, and then right away, the stock back, went back up over 300. So it might be 311. I might be wrong about the 340. It's over 300 at this point. And there, you know, the challenge with what's going on with all this is, you know, the, the brokerages have, they're kind of in a no-win situation right now. Because if they did nothing, consumer protection would have been all over their, all over their asses about why didn't you halt trading why didn't you do this why didn't you do that why did why did you allow them to buy those option contracts if they didn't have the enough capital in in their account because if you look at a stock if when a stock tanks and then if a stock tanks and all these margin all these guys that are buying options on margin like these guys lose all their premium you're looking at margin calls where you're shutting down accounts. Like it's a pretty complicated thing that happened, chain of events when people are trading on leverage, which chances are a lot of people are trading this stuff on leverage, on a lot of leverage, probably more than some people probably could pay if they got called out, in which case it would have got, in which case they would have closed it out automatically because they, they actually have the power to do that in a margin call. So, it I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be one of these guys. I wouldn't want to be these brokerages because one way or another they're looking at a lawsuit. That one way or another it's gonna be lawsuit city. Yeah. So what, which mean, side they're, which they're side do you want to be on? Bad, they're in a bad position. Uh I don't I don't I mean obviously I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but the optics are horrible right now. And the damage control that they have done that I've seen is not been very good. Like they've been actually they've been getting blasted for it. Um, yeah. But the the other side of it too is that these hedge funds, right, that have been massively shorting, mm-hmm. you know, some of these stocks. So the ones that are getting squeezed right now, these those guys are getting killed. But they're and, out. Yeah, no one's I mean, going on. Those guys have covered. I, you know. Give me a second, and I'll pull up and tell you how much, how many shares of GME were short as of the end of last year. Oh, it was something like 130% or something. Those guys are out. Those guys were squeezed out a while ago. No one was, no one's holding on because they trade on, they trade on a ton of leverage. So, the amount of shares they had short as of December 15, 2020, mm-hmm. was 68 million shares. I think the float is only like 68 million, right, or something? Nope. Share short. 68 million shares. The float, 46.89 million. Huh. Okay. So when the percentage of float that was short is a ton. So it was like 130, 140% then. 226% of the float is short. I thought you said it was 68 million and the float was I'm 40. Just, so I'm just on Yahoo Finance reading that. So yeah. when I, so you know take it for what it is. But remember the number changed because the short percentage of float is from January 15th, 2021. Yeah. And then the sh- the shares that were short were as of December 15th. So there, in that one month, there were there were some things that changed. Oh. So when when I look at the amount of shares that were short in January 15, 2021, 61 million. So it's still 61 million. So when you look at, if we just look at that, never mind all the percentages, 61 million shares, 61 to 70 million shares between December and January were short. Look at the volume of GameStop in the last three days. I know it's been doing a huge volume. It far exceeds... Far exceeds the amount that's short. People that are short are out. This is just people bidding this thing up. With the disrupt with the disruption from T D and Robinhood today, 
they still did 56.6 million shares. That's crazy. So, you know, when, when indexes halt something, you understand it. You know, they, they have, uh, the, the, the imbalance in sales and buys are just too much. And you, you have an unstable market, you know, and they do that. They do that for a bunch of different securities over a period of time. You know what, though, man? This would never happen in crypto. Well, but at the same time, when the indexes do it, when the exchanges do it, that's different than the brokerage doing it. Indexes, I, indexes, I get it. It's a bigger system they got to take. They got to be, be concerned with. Brokerages, this is the first time we've ever really saw this. As far as I can remember, where brokerage said you can't trade something. I've heard it happening before, but I, I I I don't remember seeing it. But yeah, it's 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 definitely gotten a lot of negative publicity. It's going to, but you know, and like I was saying, you know what? It's it's interesting that this is the thing that has sort of united people on the left and people on the right. <laughs> like for sure. Bad. People like AOC and Ted Cruz and Donald Jr. Yep. You know, and man, I mean, like Rush you're Limbaugh. Messing with, you're, messing with, you're messing with free markets. You're like, messing with I, free markets. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 crazy. So just typical for 2021 slash 2020. But if you wanted <laughs> more evidence to tell people why when things get out of control like this, you probably shouldn't be involved and you should just watch. Okay, well, here's another reason. I'm just enjoying the show, man. <laughs> I, I do the same thing because uh, I, yeah. having traded during the tech bubble in, in 2000 and all these things, like you've seen these kind of gyrations before. Heck, three years ago, you had Tilray go through all this stuff, all you know, where they were, I think, at one point in time, worth $150. They're worth $8 today. Oh, yeah, that, so that was you that was this, telling me about that. Yeah, this, yeah it, 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 this story ends poorly. Like, it ends bad. No, it, 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 I mean, look, look, anytime you have a security or any kind of asset that runs up 600, 700, 800% in a week, you should dump. You should just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> because the chances are it's going to come back down. Well, especially when it's not moving on fundamentals or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah. Or anything resembling any kind of momentum in their business. Again, we're talking AMC. They have no momentum in their business. They only got enough money to stay alive. That's just don't it. Be, yeah. Just, I mean, you know, honestly, I think if AMC holds on, they have a good chance because the, once the pandemic's over, I think everyone's going to want to go out, right? I mean, I, I know I – the first thing I will do is get out of the house and do something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it. And I'm sure every, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel the same way. So I think that if AMC can hold on, they have a viable business. But right now, they do. In, in 2022, the difference, and this is actually something that I, I was talking about with my business partner too, is that the difference between that and like GameStop, and this is I agree with him, is that GameStop's kind of dead in the water. They're an old brick and mortar company. You know, like people don't buy games now going to the store. They buy games online, right? There's so many places to buy games online, Nintendo, you know, Xbox, PlayStation, all this stuff that you don't even need to go to these places. So I, I think it's a it's a company that's in trouble, uh, and the situation is much different from from A and C. Well, it it's not it wasn't that different until this week. Remember now, A and C was on the brink of bankruptcy two weeks ago. Yeah. Then they then they go ahead and get a loan from one of their investors. For money, you know what the percent they're paying on this loan is? <laughs> no, I, no, what are they? Seventeen percent. So I mean, it, it's it's you know, yes, they had they they if you had to compare the two for talking fundamentals, they have a better chance of surviving this whole thing. But it's not, it, in no way are are they in a great position. Yeah. You know, and, and but this is the I think this is where you get. The push, the push and pull between what everyone's calling the Robinhood traders, the Reddit traders, whatever we want to call them. Hey, they're traders. Yeah. It is what it is. People trade. You know, I saw a stat the other day that I think in the last 10 years, the average holding time of a stock, 40 seconds. Wow. What is does that, that tell you? Is that real? Is that for real? 
40 you seconds. Know what, you, know, you, know, you know what, though? There's, there's a lot of those um, like high-frequency traders, right? Like, yep. What that is, that the, majority, the majority of the market is that, I guess. It's algorithms. Yeah. It's just it's just algos. So look it up. It, uh, a, guy that, a guy that said that, his name is Thomas Lee. And he's just one of the guys that has been all over. The, he's been completely right about this market ever since the downturn last March. And he was just making the point that, yeah, the rules, the rules of the game are changing. You know, our, our idea of what an acceptable PE is probably needs to be higher than it is. So, you know, yeah. when we look at Apple, who just hovers in this 30 PE area, you know, who's to say that that's just not the new norm, that that's an acceptable PE? Just is yeah. what it is. No, I, I agree. I mean, things are changing all the time. Yep. You don't adjust to it. Yep. You're, you're dead. What? Why should we be held to some of these things? Because over time, there's more liquidity in the market than there ever has been. You know, when you have all this money coming in, the rules almost have to change a little bit. Because people have to put their money somewhere. Yeah. Especially when they're getting too much of it. (laughs) Right. Because you're not... Because you're not getting paid for your money anywhere else. So if yeah. if you go if you go to your stock your your financial whatever wherever brokerage you you invest in, you tell them I need some money in tech. I mean the vast majority of advisors would say, well let's put some in Apple. Well if you do that for all these new advisors and uh, these new investors, aren't we just going to have a bid up in Apple's price? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Just because there's more people buying shit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the other interesting thing about uh, the whole, you know, aura of these Robinhood traders is that, you know, I think I think the general consensus is that they're all like these 25 year old guys that, you know, don't have a lot of money. But one of the one of the traders in that group that made like 23 million, I think mm-hmm. the position that he started out with was. 50,000 shares of GameStop at $15 or something like that. Dude, that's, that's 750k. Small, dude, that is that, not a small that's, fish. That's not a small fish. That's not a that small fish. That is not a small fish. So like I I, I think the I, perception is wrong. There's definitely a ton of different kinds of traders in that group. It's not all these young No. Not all guys. And you know uh, I think that is just wrong. This, this is the thing that kind of gets me a lot, you know, and, and I say it, but I say it in certain situations. But I, I was doing an interview this past weekend for a health occupations association conference. And the question was asked, like, generationally, what, what do I think is essentially wrong with the generation now? And I said, well, let me preface everything I say with this one. Thing. Hey, 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 watch out, man! Don't, don't. Well, uh, so, that's why. Careful. So, I, I, you know, I say I, I, I think it's overgeneralized. I said, since the beginning of time, I'm pretty sure for the most part, or or modern times, I mean, you know, teenagers did stupid stuff. I know I did. You know, I we don't never, have the. I, I never did we, anything. We, we don't have. It's not a. It's not a very mature brain at that point in time in our life. We're gonna say and do things that just gonna just sound like a whole hell of a lot of stupid out of our mouth. It just happens. Are we gonna have great judgment? No. We don't learn it yet. We haven't learned it all at that point. You know, I, the only the only part that I brought up in that interview was saying, you know, I think the one thing that's a challenge is the face to face communication, and that leads to things. That don't go well, because you know you have you have youngsters right now that'll just text somebody that's five feet away from them and is supposed to talking to them. Yeah. And I, and I and, and the interviewer in this interview it was a high school student, so I just asked her, how close was the closest person you texted? Oh, she just pointed across the room. She'd be like about that far. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where because we have so much digital communication, we don't do enough speaking. We don't do enough eye contact. We don't do well reading body language. Those type of things. That that seems to be a thing as a whole that's pretty consistent. The rest of the stuff, eh, I don't know. I think sometimes they, I think the younger generation gets a worse rap for it than it really is. Oh, you know, it's every generation, right? I think like our parents, I'm sure they thought the same things about us. 
the same things that their parents thought about them. You know, like it's just a cycle to me. To me, it's just a it cycle. Is. It's all the same. At what, at what point in time do you become get off the yard, man? Get off my yard, man. You there yet, Roycey? I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there for a long time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hey, let's switch gears real quick. Let's talk about something that you and I are both, we both got money in and yeah. and update our, our listeners on kind of our little project, my, the, the little project that is me in, crypt, in, the, in the crypto world. Uh, can you kind of recap uh, the last few weeks in, in, in crypto? I mean, the only thing that I would say is just roller coaster. <laughs> so, t- just typical typical times. So, I think when uh, just to recap, I think when uh, Steve opened his account or when he we were talking about opening his account, man, I think Bitcoin was at I want to say 18k. We have to I have to go check the tapes, <laughs> but and I think Ethereum was at like 700 bucks, maybe 600 bucks. 400 bucks okay keep saying 400 bucks um but in that time bitcoin rose up ethereum at one point reached its all-time high and, and broke past it at 14 like 30 or 40 but also there's been some big pullbacks too uh and bitcoin dropped to 30k ethereum dropped to like 900 dollars um but it's it's since then it's kind of going up and down it's been pretty steady you know, trading around Bitcoin, trading around 30k, 32k, and uh, Ethereum at like, you know, 11, 1200, 1300, uh, and that's kind of where it's been for the past month. Um, even with all this craziness that's happening around the world. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think that I think that was the remarkable thing. Uh, you, we, we were talking off air about the last couple of weeks with all the volatility that's been happening in the cryptos. It's been yeah. holding in a pretty good range. It hasn't yeah. broken down like in the past where it just completely collapses. You know, it, it seems to find some support where buyers come in and bid it back up. Yeah. So the the most interesting area, I think, of crypto right now and the, the space that I think is the hottest right now is really in DeFi, uh, decentralized finance. So... Things like Compound, Aave, Uniswap, SushiSwap, you know, that distributed exchanges, apps that, you know, provide other things. Like there's a set of apps that are doing these bonds and tranches, uh, which is super interesting. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot happening in the space right now. Uh, a lot of those coins are actually doing fairly well. Uh, and it's something that people, I think, should take a look at because all of these things that are happening in traditional finance, like lending, borrowing, you know, earning interests, earning yields, uh, even on these decentralized exchanges with providing liquidity uh, for these automated market makers. And those are things that I think within the next year, uh, you know, I've seen some reports where, you know, folks think that they could get a 10 or 15x uh, within the next year in that space. I mean, so that brings to light the the criticism that people say that, you know, nothing in crypto is real. It's all fake. And, you know, there's no there's nothing behind. It, there's no substance. And when I hear you talk about DeFi, I just hear about a faster way to access money because you're using your existing crypto account as collateral to borrow money. Yeah. So that's just, that seems pretty real to me. It's 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 really interesting. Like you basically you could take like say you have an Ethereum you know, stash, you could take your Ethereum, uh, you could put it into Aave, put it in as collateral, borrow, say something like USDC. You could take that USDC out, convert it to USD and put it in your bank account. It doesn't get any realer than that. What is USDC? So USDC is a stable coin uh, that was created by Coinbase. Uh, It's basically, uh, you know, the term is a stable coin where it's, meant to hold a stable amount of value, the equivalence of a U.S. dollar. So one USDC is equal to one U.S. dollar. You could trade it one for one. Uh, and it's easy to it's easy to go when you're trading on Coinbase. If you have USDC, you can easily convert it to USDC and put it right into your bank account. Can you, since we got on the subject of stable coins, can you try to make it as digestible as possible 
what happened in the news with stable coins and Ethereum's role in it with the federal government. That news oh, yeah. that came so, up. Yeah, so that, that was another big thing that happened too, right? Where the government basically went and said that they're allowing banks to run their own nodes on the Ethereum network, which is basically uh, a machine that allows them to process transactions on Ethereum. And they're allowing them to run their own nodes and be able to settle transactions with stablecoins. By doing that, uh, they're basically opening up any federal bank, any federal bank to use these stablecoins uh, to settle transactions. It's quick, it's fast. And the interesting thing about that is that that all is built right now and runs on top of Ethereum. And on top of that, Royce, would it then be fair to assume then there's going to be over a period of time in the next 6 to 12 months that this transformation, this conversion to using stablecoins is going to lead to some buying in some cryptocurrency by these traditional financial companies? I would think so because they're, they are, they're going to have to pay the transaction fees uh, to move these assets on Ethereum. Uh, they're going to need to hold Ethereum. Uh, these stablecoins are also working to uh, work with other blockchains as well. Um, but obviously, Ethereum is, is, is the biggest. So that, that is really going to be interesting because it really is going to drive adoption and drive these banks, these financial institutions to hold crypto. Game changer. It's a, it's a, it's pretty big, yeah. That's a game changer. You, you you went from them not being fans of it, talking it down. I mean, you even get the CEO of, of uh, J.P. Morgan, you know, Jamie Dimon, kind of saying, hey, you know, like he's he's not a big believer in it. At the same time, J.P. Morgan holds some some <laughs> cryptocurrency in well, their portfolio. Got, well, they got a bag now, and uh, I think Jamie, <laughs> I think Jamie Dimon came out and said, or or J.P. Morgan came out and said that. Their price target on Bitcoin is like 60k, or something like, that. like so. You know, I, everyone's I, everyone's I, everyone's a marketer. Everyone's yep. a shiller. Yep. I you know, can't wait. 60k. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> that that would be that would be that would be great. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I get. I guess on a, a little continuation from uh, our episode where I started my account and started buying some of my uh, Ethereum. Uh, what I ended up doing to manage that Ethereum was. I ended up selling half of my position in it when Ethereum went up near about $1,200. You know, I, I had bought it in the mid, in an, I would say the average purchase price was somewhere in the fives. And I just had to be a disciplined trader about it and take all my cost bases back and then some. And now I'm just letting house money kind of ride and it continued to ride. And it, it's it's been interesting to watch. A lot of my risk is off the table, uh, and there's only really upside really to be had at this point. And, you know, with the chance, of course, of me losing what I left in the market. Um, so, you know, on, on this show, you know, we definitely, we're definitely not telling you guys what you should do. We're just here to provide uh, entertainment, information, and just let you know what we did at times, uh, which is why we shared that whole experience of me opening an account and trading cryptocurrency for the first time, which as of right now turns out to be, it was a good time to try to get in. So Not financial advice. <laughs> we are not giving you financial advice. We're just giving you our opinions. You look it up. You do your homework the same way I did it. And I'm lucky because I have a, a, have a great friend in Royce that educated me on all this and uh, we've been talking about this for years. This isn't something whimsically I just said, let's do it. So, no, I don't know, uh, about, know about lucky. You know, but uh, talk to people with experience. Talk to people that aren't going to charge you for their advice. You know, talk to people that you trust and and, and figure out your own strategy. You got yeah, all I mean, these guys. You got all these guys telling you, give me five thousand dollars, and I'll turn your five thousand, your your invested five thousand, to two hundred grand in two years. I mean, those are the guys to stay away from, man. Stay yeah, away yeah, from yeah, those guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that. He he, he probably told them right. all to buy GameStop, and then he's all sitting pretty now. 
You know what though? He might, he might, he's probably doing good right now if he did. <laughs> if he did that, if he did that, he's Nostradamus, man. Like he could ask these guys for like, yeah, hey, I, I should get a bonus for telling you guys about GameStop. Man, I, I'm not gonna lie, dude. If I if I had known about all this stuff like earlier this for week, for sure, for I sure, would, I would have jumped in. For sure. <laughs> you know, you know when uh, I think two days ago GameStop closed at seventy nine dollars, and I thought to myself, man, this thing. Like, what's the harm in me just throwing ah, 50 shares of it in there, or buy or buy an option for a hundred a hundred dollar call? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the spec money. I, I I always have a little bit part of my portfolio that's just speculation money, and, and that would have been it. But you know, I, on the other hand, I'm thankful that I have those those restrictions built into me at this point. Probably about 10 years ago, I would have done it. You know what I tell you? Go big or go home. (laughs) (laughs) And and, don't don't listen to me. And again, we're not giving you financial advice. (laughs) We're just we're just sharing our experience, good and bad. (laughs) Believe me, Royce and I both have had bad experiences in the markets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. All right. Well, anything else going on, Royce? Let's kind of step out of that world a little bit. Uh, we got this big event coming on in about a week in the sports world. What was it like the Super Bowl or something? Yeah, Super Bowl. I was actually just about. I was just thinking about that. Uh, whether we're going to talk about that this time or, or next time. Uh, uh, it's it's a little it's a little far out right now. Um, it is. It is. Because you know, you, there's injuries and stuff that happened in the weeks in the days leading up to the Super Bowl, right? Like things can change, but it is an interesting matchup. You know, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Man, I, I don't know if you saw that game where Mahomes got taken out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure they, did. They said he didn't get a concussion. So I. Honestly, well, okay, so here, here's my thing. Honestly, by the way he played, he played pretty good. But, you know, I've had a bad, massive concussion, and there's no way... I would be playing a football game the week after <laughs> if I if I had that massive concussion. So, you know, did he have one? They say that he didn't. I suspect that he did. And I suspect that he probably shouldn't have been playing because it's, it's detrimental to his health long term. But, you know, he played pretty well. So I'm, I'm actually not sure whether he did or not. But well, I hope he did. Let's put it this way. I guess we'll, we'll remind our listeners, all 10 of you, that despite all this talk about financial markets, I am an athletic trainer, a healthcare professional. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me put that hat on for this for this commentary about Pat, Patrick Mahomes. I do believe he, he a high chance he had one. At the same time, it is possible, depending on how lingering – the symptoms are uh, that they could have cleared. They could have cleared up in a couple of days, and it's possible. And I'm not saying it happened, and we because none of yeah. us will really ever know. Uh, the reason why they didn't call it a concussion, they were it's because of the NFL's protocol. If that, if he gets diagnosed by the doc with a concussion, it would have made coming back Sunday really hard without violating the protocol. And so that's why they were very careful about not calling it a concussion, even though chances are probably what's. So it's just this thing where there's always ways to circumvent a system, and, and that was the trap door. That's the loophole they left in that protocol. And it's funny because, and I was talking to one of my students about this because he's asking me, like, do you think that they would let him play with a concussion? I'm like, absolutely. Oh, hell, hell yeah, they would. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, and he wouldn't fight it. He would do it. Yeah. He would voluntarily no, I mean, I, do it. Like, look, you've played sports. I have played sports. Like, you play. If you can play, you play, right? Except for me. If I'm hurt, I'm not going to play. But <laughs> but <laughs> you, that's that's kind of the way it is, right? That's the mentality. Yeah. And um, what's interesting about that, too, right, is on, on the other hand, then you have, you know, of course, all the controversy about head injuries over time and all these years and the players suing the league and those type of things. And it's like, it's so hard because sometimes I look at it, I'm like, you know, it's not like the player would have said, I don't like play. 
You know, like Patrick Williams, if they told him you have a concussion, I'm pretty sure he looks at the athletic trainer Randy Eye and says, I'm playing. Like, I'm playing. And that's it. Yeah. But but years down the road, it becomes the league's fault or the team's fault if there's some lingering symptoms. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hate to see it, but I, I get it. But it is. It's the real world. It is what it is. And I don't think there was anything that was going to stop Patrick from playing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, don't, I don't think so either. I, I just feel... Like, I hate watching people get, not, I mean, I hate watching people get concussions because it's so, it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, watching that, did, did you watch the fight, like, a couple months ago with Nate Robinson? Yes. And I think Jake Paul. Oh, my yes. God, dude. I thought he died. Straight, like. <laughs> he got, he got. Like straight, cold, knocked, just not yeah, cold. cold. Like, bouncing on the floor. Yeah. Bounced off the, bounced off the canvas. Arms at his side, just fell. Jasper really wants to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll jump more into the Super Bowl thing later. I think, you know, in the next episode. But I, I think people, you know, people are already starting to ask, right? What, what do we think? And I, I think the only thing I have to say about that game so far is, if it all came down to it. And it came down to one of those two teams needing a touchdown if they can get it. Yeah. Casey. Casey's the one that I have no doubt will get a touchdown if they need it. Really? I I, I actually think that any of those teams could get a touchdown if they need it. It's going to come down to the person that has the last possession. Well, and I guess like, the reason why I say that is look at that game against Green Bay. Okay. Three picks okay. in the second half. Casey, Casey... They they scare me just because their offense is scary. That's that's what I'm saying. Their offense is so scary. Tyreek Hill that's is so scary. I'm, that's what I'm talking uh, about. Kelsey's scary, right? Like and, they're, I mean, they got a, a good running game. They got Mahomes like throwing the ball all over the place. Like, and I don't a, know. There's a, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a great game. I think it's gonna be really entertaining, and it, we'll, we can totally d- dig into this a little bit more on Thursday. I mean, next week I should say when we uh we film another episode. Yeah, film. When it's closer to the game. Yeah, we'll have more information at that point. Yeah, we'll have more information. I mean, right now, what the opening line is what minus three, I think. Minus three, Kansas City. Yeah, three, three and a half, depending when you look. Uh, I think at one point in time, the the PL was minus one twenty for KC, so that the the early money is on KC. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Sure. But um, it'd be interesting. I mean, speaking of you know betting lines and you know, all that stuff. Why don't we wrap up our uh, NFL betting season? And um, you have any comments about your performance this season, there, buddy? I have no comments. <laughs> <laughs> I would like. I think this is there's an asterisk. There should be an asterisk by this season. <laughs> this is this is actually the kind of season that made me quit gambling in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty rough. It got pretty it, rough. It, there, was buddy. So, it was so bad. Like I knew, like I knew that you know there was there was no point. <laughs> so, this is how the NFL ushered me out previously. So it, it's just further confirmation that you should not get back into gambling. It's uh, plus. Look, I spent. I mean, what I realized is that I was spending a lot of the season information gathering. Mm-hmm. A lot of the season just watching different teams and. So it was, I mean, it was good in the sense that, yeah, I think I learned a lot more this year. Like things have changed quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, but you know, as a whole, you know, we were playing with that structure. I think next year when we do this uh, for the season, we're, I'm going to allow you to do the Roycey and, and do the, you know, the five nickel bet, you know, the five dollar bet, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And just tell me, hey man, you like you know if you were behind, you you lost three games, and you want to make this the mega bet, the five hundred dollar, the five thousand dollar bet, you know, so that people know, you know, like that 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 because that in in the real world, that's what would happen. You wouldn't bet the same amount on every single game. You do nope. you you would famously do the, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but you would do the chase. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, well maybe I, I think next year. 
the goal should be to do this in Vegas. I think well, that's the goal. We're absolutely going to do a live show in Vegas, betting. No, assuming. Potentially, potentially assuming, while we're watching the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, assuming the pandemic is over. Well, we can only hope that at some point by late this year, everyone that wants a vaccine would have gotten the vaccine. Uh, I fortunately have gotten both doses already. So sure. I'm ready to go to Vegas anytime you are. So, you know, sure. whenever you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate that you know I'm employed by the bi- the biggest hospital here, and you know be- because we're in healthcare, I have this opportunity. So, but you know I hope everyone out there makes the choice to get vaccinated because that just helps everyone move forward from there, from this point. Uh, but you know I respect everyone's right to make their own decision for 100%. It is what it is. Yeah. Even if sometimes Robin Hood doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're obviously going to get a lot more clarity about this situation as the days go on, what they were thinking, what the legal ramifications are. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be real fascinating to watch. Yeah, it really will. You know what? I think if anything crazy happens tomorrow, we should do a little mini one. You might have to. Yeah. Tomorrow well, might be pretty historic. Tomorrow might be pretty historic. Yeah. Yeah, options expiration. You got the end of the month. You know, great month. There's got to be some people looking for the exits a little bit, which you saw two days ago. I mean, not two days ago, just yesterday. You yeah. Know, and then the market sold off pretty good, but every time the market sells like that, it finds buyers, like it did today. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's so. All right. With that, Royce, any last thoughts for our audience for this show? The only thought is that it's raining in LA right now. <laughs> that's my last thought inspirational and moving insight from Royce as very always. very very deep yeah that's deep. yeah I feel like I feel like much is Saturday Night Live and what's the guy's name Jack Handy deep thoughts <laughs> deep, deep thoughts, thoughts. <laughs> deep thoughts with as, Royce Mono <laughs> as I'm sitting in my office doing a podcast it's raining deep and we need it by Royce Mono <laughs> that's good stuff man well it's good to kind of shake the cobwebs man like hope you guys all enjoyed the episode and good to be back in the gym great to be back in here shooting some hoops (laughs) (laughs) all right Royce, we'll see you later all right man let's see you guys